Welcome to the Worship Place Podcast. We are thankful we can worship with you and pray this message blesses your day. We look forward to seeing you in person next service. I want to read Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. And then, you know, um, why don't we just do this? I don't know if you guys can do this in the at the drop of a hat, why don't we just read the whole psalm? Uh, And then we'll come back to this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble... He shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When thou sayest, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then... The Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of my enemies. Deliver me, excuse me, not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Verse 13, I want to begin and focus there. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Praise God. So I want to teach from the subject, believing to see. Not seeing is believing, but believing to see. Believing is seeing. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for the power of your word. Bless it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Thank you so much. Smile at your neighbor. Greet them. Let them know you're not mad that they're sitting beside you or anything like that.
<laughs> Psalm number one says, the Lord is the strength of my life. Or the first verse of Psalm 27, I'm sorry. Whom shall I fear? When was the last time you questioned your fears? <clears throat> Notice, it's a question. Whom shall I fear? You see, the devil wants you to question your promises. The Lord wants you to question your fears. We have no right to question the promises of God. Because that would suggest that God is a liar, that he is fickle, unreliable, subject to change. But we have every reason in the world to try the spirits to see whether they be of God. <clears throat> what? First of all, God has not given us the spirit of fear. Did you know that fear is a spirit? How many has ever felt fear? How many has ever felt fear come at you when you tried to pray? You want to know why? It's a spirit. And it wants to prevent you from drawing close to God if you can. Fear, come, fear is a spirit that attacks us through traumatic experiences. I won't ask who thinks you're a backseat driver because I won't get an, an honest confession out of you. But how many knows of someone who got in a real bad car accident and they just won't leave you alone when you're behind the wheel? Just because, well, why is that? Because the trauma of being involved in a car accident, a serious one, can make someone become hypersensitive to the act of driving. And so consequently, fear. So fear is a spirit. But we need to question our fears. Try the spirits. You are the prosecutor when it comes to the things that try to rob you of your peace. You have a right to put fear on the stand and to say, who are you? Where do you come from? What is your goal? How do you relate? How, do you, how does doing what you say make me a better candidate for salvation? And you know, if you just question your fears, suddenly you'll discover. How many has ever been afraid of something and then talked to someone about it, and the next thing you know, it doesn't bother you that much anymore? That's why talking therapies are effective to some degree. It's because when you hear yourself say out loud what it is that's causing you such misery, suddenly you realize, well, that's not such a big deal. <clears throat> Praise God. And so, uh, so we need to question our fears. And you show me what you're afraid of, and I'll show you where your heart is. I'll show you where your spiritual walk is. Because if you fear God, that's the beginning of wisdom. Having a wholesome fear of God suddenly shuts down all these intermediary tormentors that come along to try to tell you that something's lurking in the next shadow and that you got to be looking over your shoulder and that you got to live in fear. That's right. We're not living in fear. We're living in faith. Amen. We're not living in defeat. We're living in the blessings of God. Hallelujah. Amen. And so uh, 
Whom shall I fear? Fear God and you won't fear much of anything else. Amen. <clears throat> fear other things and it'll drive you uh, perhaps beside yourself if you'll let fear govern your life. But then it also says, when the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh. Boy, that's a pretty hostile bunch of folk right there. My enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Watch this. How many's ever had a sudden attack from out of nowhere, left field, here comes the enemy, charging. You know what? I saw in my mind's eye just this, this being charged by the enemy, being as if they were coming to just ransack your life or your family. And this is what the Lord told me while I was contemplating that. Of course, the demoniac, right? He charged Jesus. He came running at him, you know, hollering, have you come to tempt us before our time? And uh, of course, the next thing you knew, he was flat of his face and the demons were cast out of him and he was clothed in, in his right mind. But this is what the Lord told me. The faster the enemy approaches you, the harder they fall. If you'll stand in the name of Jesus, when my enemy ran to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. So with the faster the enemy attacks, the fiercer and the most overt he is. Notice that the enemy pulls off its greatest fright scenes right before he's cast out. He will throw the young, the young person uh, in a fit of convulsion right before Jesus casts the devil out of him. Or he will attack, amen, and with loud screams and noises and actions right before, amen, there's a deliverance take place. So hear me. When the enemy rises up in ferocity, that doesn't mean he's stronger than you are, and it certainly doesn't mean he's stronger than Jesus. It means he's on his way out. Praise God. And though an army should encamp against me, the encampment of the enemy is the action of an opposition that's not going anywhere. Maybe I'm talking to somebody whose life has been under siege. What is the difference between being under a siege and being under attack? Well, in one sense, what Israel's doing right now on the outskirts of, of um, Gaza is they've laid siege to the whole I don't know if you call that a country or a state or what you call it, but whatever it is. They've cut off water, cut off electricity, cut off supplies to some great extent. And so the armies are there amassed at the border. And even if they weren't firing anything, they were, they're putting them under siege pressure, right? Well, how many times has the enemy put your life under a siege? You can't say direct. You can't identify maybe a direct attack by name, but you know there's a blockage. There's an interrupting force. There's an opposition. 
And so, though my enemy should encamp against me, it is possible for the enemy to set up a perimeter around your life. And by doing so, exerting pressure and limiting what can come and what can go. This is one way how you know that your life might be under a demonic siege. You can't get your prayers out. And it can't seem like you can get your blessings in. And you can't quite put your finger on, why is it that I pray and it feels like it's just bouncing off the ceiling? And when it's time to, 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 to receive renewal and blessing, I just, I just, it seems like something's preventing it. Well, we need to know what's attacking us, when it's attacking us, so that we can make a counterattack. So I said, I, I brought this up to say this. The encamped enemy is one that doesn't plan on going anywhere, but staying put and continuing to put pressure on your life, okay? But what else does it say about encampments? It says that the angels of the Lord are encamped around about them that fear him. So enough said about devils that don't want to leave. Let's talk about angels that ain't going anywhere. Let's talk about blessings that are here to stay. Let's talk about anointings, amen, that are here tomorrow and the day after, just like they were last year and the year before. Hallelujah. I still believe that the angels of the Lord encamp around about them that fear him. So if the devil's got you surrounded, the angels have the devil surrounded. And I know who the first is going to be to give up, and that is greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world, and the enemy's got to break up and go in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Why don't you welcome an angel into your world? They're sent forth as ministering spirits to minister to the heirs of salvation. <clears throat> thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. God, we thank you. I don't know. We talk about releasing angels. You don't pray to angels. You, perhaps you release angels, but one thing you do do is you welcome them. You, you welcome them like you would a house guest. Amen. And so let the angel of the Lord step in to your circumstance. Sometimes it looks like a man or a woman or someone, you know, that's earthly. But, oh, lurking behind that circumstance might be the angel of the Lord coming to bring a blessing into your life. Amen. I like that. I like that idea of the angels camped out. We're not going anywhere. We're here. And verse number three says, my heart shall not fear, though war should rise against me. Now look, it isn't a matter of if war will rise against you. It's just a matter of when. Nobody has gotten by without having been attacked by the enemy at points and times along the way. And sometimes he puts up his fiercest attack just about the time you decide to dig in and make a great commitment to throw you off course and to uh, put you back on your heels. And it says, I would have fainted unless I had believed to see 
the goodness of God. Now, we need a cure for your fainting spells tonight. I'm telling you. <laughs> when are you going to quit fainting in the face of trial and test and trouble? I would have fainted. Do you know what would take you out? Let's see, there was a big MMA guy. He was a Russian guy. I can't remember his name now, but he was big and huge and strong and almost machine-like back so many years ago, but he had a glass jaw. He couldn't take a, he couldn't take a direct hit. And by the looks of him, it looked like he could steamroll just about anybody in the octagon. But no, if they hit him just right, down he went. Do you know what it do you know what it would be if you were taken down what would take you down or what could I think you should know yourself at least well enough to know that so that you could pray against that that uh, that possible development from happening <clears throat> but I would have fainted if you're if you're waiting to see it to believe it it's no wonder you're having fainting spells Saying I got to see it to believe it is a recipe for comatositis. You're going down. You're out for the count. He'll be lucky to bring you back. It don't work that way in the kingdom of God. You don't say I'll see it and then believe it. Thomas got by with it, but nobody else did after him. Praise God. And he wasn't a paragon of virtue or an example for us to follow. He was a counterexample of what not to do. Praise God. So uh, if you're waiting to see it, you're going to be fainting. I remember my mama, bless her heart, she was terrified of mice. So we were going to try to condition her into not being afraid of mice. So we said, Mom, let's start with the tail. Oh, the tail's the worst part. Well, I would have thought the mouth was the worst part that could communicate disease and bite. No, the tail. Well, fear. Fear will knock you out. Fear. What, 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 what Job said, that which I have greatly feared has come upon me. In other words, fear is like a magnet. It's like faith in reverse, and it attracts just like faith does. But faith attracts blessing. Fear attracts attack, sickness, evil, problems, and suffering. Jesus said it this way in Luke 18, Men ought always to pray and not to faint. When you pray, it's an evidence of your faith. The world says that seeing is believing. The world would have written that verse. It would have said, I have seen, therefore I have believed. That was Martha's problem. I don't see anything. It's too late, Lord. It's four days. He's dead. He stinks. But we have to. I'm going to spend a little more time on why, how it is we see. It's a miracle that we see anything. But we can see so much more through the eyes of faith than we can with the evidences that some people require. When in fact the evidence is right in front of us. 
Faith that seeks God's face is the kind of faith that sees. He said, when you said, Lord, seek my face, in verse number eight, my heart said to you, your face I will seek. Too many times we're, 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 we're obsessed with seeking God's hand. All we want is what God can do. I need God to, I need God to give me a new car. I need God to take this sickness away. I need God to, you know, help my loved one. I need God for to do this, to do that. And if we're not careful, our entire prayer relationship is nothing more than efforts to try to get God to reveal his hand. But you know something? If you'll seek his face, you'll get all of him. And what good is it to get his hand in something and not really know him? Paul said that I might know him in the in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. So there is an entire spectrum of relationship with God that we have to get to know him. Let me, let me look at this. We, we need to know God by his ways, not just by his works. Israel knew him by his works, what they saw him do. Moses knew him by his ways. Revelation chapter 15 Verses 2 and 3 reads like this. And I saw like a sea, glass, blended with fire, and the overcomers of the beast and of his image and of the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. And they are singing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb saying, great and wonderful are your works, Lord God Almighty, and righteous and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Are you ready for this? I never really put this together, but the song of Moses is the song of the works of God. The song of the Lamb is the song of the ways of God. So we have, there's two verses to this song. We need to sing about the works of God or the hand of God, but we also need to rejoice in the ways of God. I don't want to just know what God can do, okay? So let's just look at this. Look at God's works. They teach us, what, what do they teach us about God? His works, okay? Like this, creation, Laws of nature, vastness of space, wonders of biological life, the wonder of consciousness. These are all works of God. Well, what, what do they show us? Among other things, they show us what we don't know. Remember when God interviewed Job and said, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where Can you tell where snow originates from. Are you able, you know, to be able to forecast the, the developments of seasons and the, and the 
hydraulic cycle and all the kinds of things that he put before Job. Job's answer was obvious, no, 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 I don't, I don't know. So God's works show us what we don't know. We don't know how non-living matter becomes conscious. We don't know it. We don't know it now. We've never known it. How in the world, if you really believe that life came from chemicals and electricity and a warm pond developing this mixture over eons of time, how then could something like that become thinking beings like I'm addressing here tonight? I think I think I'm addressing thinking beings, but you know what I'm saying. How can dirt think? And if non, if chemical, if all we are is chemicals, I don't think we should trust anything we say to each other or anything we think. So what is consciousness? It's a miracle of God's works. But it shows us something that we perhaps will never know. God's works show us, for example, creation what we can't do. God's work shows what we can't know. God's work shows us what we can't do. Jesus said it this way, can any one of you by taking thought, you know, make a hair, change the, the color, the texture of a hair? Nope. Well, by the same token, not a one of us can create not one grain of sand from nothing. Not one. Can't do it. God's works show us where we can't go. Now, this, this Hubble telescope and these telescopes now that are penetrating light years into space, light years into, into space-time, show us how vast the universe is. I, I don't know. We don't, we don't have the mechanisms and never will to be able to reach the depths that space is laid out there. And I've, I remember certain atheists would use that as a reason why God is inefficient. What kind of creator would create so much vastness and use so many planets and so many stars and so much waste? Well, it's waste if you don't believe there's a God, but I'm going to tell you, it's a revelation of how glorious he is if you believe that he is because the stage is set in the heavens to declare the glory of God. It's no waste at all. Amen. It is a pointer signal that says, this is how great God is. And it shows us what we can't see. How many think, how many got 20-20 vision still? Few of you do. Well, let me say this. Those of you with the best of vision are practically blind. Because we see in a bandwidth of, of, of light energy, so slender. Because there's, there's infrared, there's ultraviolet, there's all kinds of light frequencies in between. You know what you and I are like? You know when you go out in the woods and it's dark and you put a flashlight out there and you see one little sliver? That's about all we get. We're practically blind. We think we can see just about everything, but we can't. We just see just a little tiny sliver of a light band frequencies that serve us well to get the job done. But, we're, but there's a lot we can't see. That's why we can't see spirits. 
Once in a while, God lifts the veil and we're able to see it. But usually it's just for a quick minute and then it's gone. Okay, so I said enough of that. God's works show us what he does and we can't. What are God's ways? Let me just look at, I'm going to close here with these animal instincts. This might help you some. Sometimes I think the nature of especially the demonic realm parallels with a lot of the apex predators kind of in the animal kingdom. So, for those of you that enjoy the great outdoors, you don't, you don't respond to a grizzly bear attack the same way you do to a black bear attack. Grizzly bears are used to the prey fighting back. And so if you try to fight back with a grizzly attack, all you're going to do is energize him. Now, it's easy for us to say to do this. I suggest if you're with anyone else and you can outrun them, run. But, but if not, but if not, play dead. Because they're not used to that. They're not used to, to lunging at something and it completely be non-responsive. There's a much higher chance of repelling a grizzly attack by doing absolutely nothing than by trying to fight back or run or something like that. You know, like the guy that said, hey, there's a bear coming after us. And he tied his shoelace. He said, what are you doing? You can't outrun a bear. I don't need to. I just need to outrun you. But if you're attacked by a black bear, fight. You want to know why? But the black bear is a berry eater for the most part. Vegetables don't fight back. He might think he got a hold of a big old gourd. But this thing's resisting me, man. I'm not, ow. What in the world? So you play dead with a grizzly. You fight back with the black bear. Don't turn your back on a lion. Don't look a tiger in the eyes. Ever notice how many pit bull attack reports are going on around here? I don't know if anyone's a pit bull owner, but I've known a few and have never seen a vicious one. But something is happening in the pit bull world. People are dying, sometimes owners on a pretty regular basis especially in Europe, especially in England. I don't know what the deal is over there. But let me say this. When sin abounds, that it affects the nature of everything. So when the most man's best friend suddenly turns into an agent of death and destruction, it might be saying more about us than it is about the dogs. Okay, that's just a little of my own speculation. But when it comes to a pit bull attack, uh, don't make eye contact. Don't do that. They consider that a threat. Don't make any sudden movements. If it's got latched onto your hand or your arm or something, plunge your fingers in its eyeballs in hopes that it'll let go. That's about all they say that you can possibly do. And cry like a baby for help. What, what, am, what am I saying about this? In all of these cases, not a one of you had any problem recognizing the power of these animals. But the knowing what to do when you're under attack by them, the only way you know what to do is to understand their nature. 
So the song of Moses and the song of the Lamb is to understand the power of God and the ways of God. To understand what God can do and who he is and what he's like and what it's like to be in a relationship with him. Hello? Watch this. Pentecostal folk relish and and revel in the power of Acts 2.38. But in all of the power getting, are we also getting the nature of God? Because the Holy Ghost is God's divine nature being transmitted to us. So if the power isn't helping us be a little bit more like Jesus, come on, someone. Hallelujah. Yes, I want the power, but I also want to know what it's like to have a relationship with God. I want to know what Jesus is like. So he's not just a stranger to me who does me favors. And the favors won't be long in coming if we don't learn the lesson to appreciate his ways. So look, if you said, seek my face, and I said, thy face, I'll seek. So the man buried his talent. He was given a talent. He buried the talent. The day of reckoning came, and the Lord said, why did you bury your talent? He said, that one had five, got ten. That one had so many, got more. You, you just give me back what I gave you. And this is what he said. I knew you. Oh? Mm-hmm. I knew you. I knew that you were a hard man, and I knew that you came and reaped where you didn't sow. And you gathered what you didn't plant, and I was afraid. So I buried my talent, and here it is. And the talent was taken out of his hand and given to somebody else. Watch this. If he knew him, why didn't he do what would have pleased him? I don't want to just know one facet, one sliver of God. I don't want to just know... Um, you can know God in his glorious outpouring, but not know him at all in his mercy. Because we want to hold out forgiving somebody else. Hey, how much God do we really know? After all he forgave us for, how well do we know him? We're going to hold out on somebody who hurt our feelings or did us wrong or owes us a few bucks. You see what I'm saying? I don't want to just know him by his power. I don't want to just recognize him when the anointing comes in the building. I want to know him by heart. Why don't we stand? Let's lift our hands. Let's just invite the wisdom of God. I want to know you, Lord, and I want to know what to do so that I could bring glory to you. 
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of God. You got to believe it before you see it. I'm believing. I want you to, I want something right now, some evil, some obstacle, some wickedness, some shortage, some problem, some sickness is waving its hand in your face. And in the presence of that, I want you to look right past it. And I want you to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hallelujah. I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able. Hallelujah, Jesus. Someone's letting some looming thing. Yeah, but it's a fact. It's a reality. There's a, there's a reality greater than the physical, physical reality that you've identified. And that is God is on the other side of that. You just got to look right through it and say in the name of Jesus, by faith. I see and believe, amen, that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that are not seen. Oh, praise God. You mean you see what you can't see when you see it by faith? Absolutely. Thank you, Lord. I want you right now to see something that isn't there yet. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I want you to see your children serving God. They may not be yet, but you see them with their hands in the air. Your brother, your sister, your neighbor, your family member. I want you to see the sickness departing. The thing that they say you have to have surgery for to fix, gone in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Except I had believed to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, I would have fainted. Ha <laughs> ha. I feel my energy coming back in Jesus' name. Don't faint. Don't faint now. You've come too far. In the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name.